this morning as we start. Um, I want to just uh, begin by asking you uh, if you have, are familiar with the following mottos. Uh, so if, you're, uh, gonna be, if you have your Bible here this morning, turn to Romans 12. And while the, everybody's looking for Romans 12, I just want to do a little quick quiz. If you get five, um, Scott is going to take you out for lunch this week. If you get all five of them. So uh, number one, uh, how many of you know where this phrase comes from? You got to be honest, okay? Uh, the phrase is, we are here to protect and serve. Just like a general, where would that come from? We are here to protect and serve. Hold on, give people that maybe are still thinking about it a few more seconds. Four, three, two, one. All right, where does that come from? Law enforcement. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Uh, yeah, the police department, right? Uh, so I think most police departments have as a, as a motto that they exist to protect and serve. I thought that was really, that's really interesting. They're here to protect and serve. Second one. Um, was, there may be some of you that know this one. I'm hoping to trip you up at least by the fourth one. Uh, and Scott is especially hoping that. Uh, what about this one? Service above self. This is their motto. Service, don't yell it yet. Service above self. Give them like five, four, three, two, one. Everybody? Rotary. Good. The Rotary group. Who, who was the one that shouted it, by the way? Ah, right, Doc. Yeah, you're in the Rotary. Uh, the Rotary's uh, motto is service above self. Interesting, I think. Both of these organizations, law enforcement and the Rotary, um, have as their, one of their core identities this idea of service. Um, let's see if you get this one, Doc. Now you get two. Uh, serving the children of the world. Serving the children of the world. Terry knows, but it's because she has my notes. Oh, no, you don't have that on your notes. What is it, Terry? World Vision? No. Good guess. UNICEF? No. Good guess. Yes, Scott, you're off the hook. Nobody? That's, what was that? What? No, not the shrine. Uh, Kiwanis. Kiwanis. Sorry, guys. All right, maybe we'll go four out of five, okay? No, no, okay, we won't. Um, The next one is, I guess, everybody's going to get this, because this is more just an idea that's present in our culture. And uh, the idea is more, less about uh, the word service isn't in this motto, it's just more an idea that maybe you've heard in your workplace before. I just want you to fill it in. This is a fill-in-the-blank question, okay? Uh, The customer is always what? Right. How many of you at your workplace have heard your boss or somebody utter something like this? The customer is always right, right? Embedded in our workplaces, there is this sense of, of service. And last of all, um, this man, Sam Walton, anyone know what he's the? Walmart, yeah, you would think Sam's Club. I think that was taken, and so he just went with Walmart. Uh, he said, have customer service that is not just the best, but, anyone know? Legendary. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I go to Walmart, I'm like, man, the customer service here is legendary. (laughs) I got this tent from Walmart, and I walked out, and I was like, I'll be back, because I had legendary customer service at Walmart, right? 
embedded in our culture is this idea of service. If you look at uh, a lot of authors and, and people who are, are encouraging entrepreneurs uh, to branch out, what they'll say is you have to make sure that you make your uh, customer the hero of whatever product you're trying to produce and create. So the, the idea in the marketplace is that when we make the customer the hero, when we excel in customer service, it's going to make us rich or at least successful in our business. And I don't think that's a bad thing. As a matter of fact, I, I would hope that uh, the people that are a part of businesses in here have as a, as a value that they exist to serve their client and their customer. I think they're going to do really well when we, we make that our posture. But I'm wondering, and I've been wondering this week, is there something different about Christian service? Is there something different or unique about the way that as Christians we're invited to serve the world around us? So this morning I want to turn to Romans 12 and start at verse 1. We'll read the first word and then stop. Uh, the first word in Romans 12 verse 1 is the word therefore. That's before this one, Terry. Therefore. Uh, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, you're supposed to say what? What is it there for? Therefore, what is it there for, right? A little tool when you're doing your own Bible study. So if you look at the 12 verse 1, it says, therefore, you go, well, why is it there? So you look at what happened before this section. Before this, uh, the Apostle Paul was in Pastor Scott's Heidelberg Catechism class, and his mind was about to explode, Okay, not really he wasn't there, but for those of you that have been a part of Scott's Heidelberg Catechism class, you know there's like this nuance in the theological discourse that's happening that for some of you, you're like, dude, my head hurts, right? What, what are you, I, I don't understand all these different things. And in verse chapter 11 of Romans, Paul is going through an argument about how the Gentiles are now being grafted into the family of God. And so he's talking about election. Some of us might call it like predestination. He's talking about how the Jews um, are still going to be saved and how Gentiles shouldn't be arrogant because really they're building on this Jewish faith. And he's, he's like in the middle of, I think, probably trying to understand some of it himself. Like, God, what are you doing? And he ends with this amazing doxology. How many of you um, have, have read this before? I remember years ago when I was talking about this section of scripture with one of the pastors here. Uh, he said, you know what, man? It, some of it doesn't always make sense to me, but I always land on the end of chapter 11. And our theology and our chasing of the truth should always lead us to this place. We'll know that we're doing a good job in our theologizing if it leads us to this place. 11 verse 33, oh, the depths of the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths are beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who's ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Therefore. Are you with me? 
Paul goes through this really difficult theological work and ends up in this place where he says, therefore. And I, I think it's important as we start off that as, as we begin our uh, kind of excursion on what does it mean to serve others and serve God, that we first have a really clear picture of God. Seeing God. Having a vision of the divine work in the world and in our lives comes before surrender. And in a moment, I'll talk about how surrender comes before service. But first, before surrender, we have to have a clear vision and picture of God. This week, uh, Scott and I had the opportunity to go to a classes meeting. And we watched the examinations of a few pastors. And there were a number of questions about what does it mean to be reformed. How many of you would be able to say you have like a pretty clear handle on what it means to be reformed, more or less? Um, I thought these, the, the people did a really, really nice job of what it means to be reformed. And mostly when we talk about what it means re- to be reformed, we start out with what? Uh, the catechism starts out with misery. <laughs> it's a great starting place. We start out with our human fallenness. But we have this other confession called the Belgic Confession that I like better than the catechism. Because the Belgic Confession doesn't start with our misery. It starts with the goodness and the glory and the incomprehensibility of God. I like starting in that place. Uh, the writer Guido Debris, who if you're going to have a name and write something, I mean that's a great name to have, said God is the overflowing fountain. In his first article, he starts with God. He says God is the overflowing fountain of all good. Amen? Amen. This morning, I'm wondering, um, who is God to you? Who is God to you? Paul says, therefore, in view of this God who is beyond tracing out, whose ways he doesn't completely understand, Paul says, therefore. Therefore what? Well, Second line, in view of God's mercy, we can live in view of a lot of things. We can live in view of the past. We can live in view of our responsibility. We can live in view of our laundry list of things that we need to do. We can live in view of the future. We can live in view of our shame. We can live in view of our fear, can't we? We can live in view of our, I'll keep it practical, bills. We can live in view of relationships that are hurtful. We can live in view of embarrassing things that we've participated in or, or been a part of. We can live in view of, of regret and, and things that we wish we would have done or, or chances we wish we would have done. We can live in view of other people's problems and what they need to get right. And what's wrong with them? Right? We can live in view of a lot of things. Paul says, therefore, in light of this God who is an overflowing fountain of all good, therefore, in view of his mercy, in view of God's forgiveness to us extended in Christ Jesus, is is the love and the mercy and the grace of God the the absolute uh, current 
of your life? Is that the loudest chord? Is that the thing, the one thing that you live in view of this morning? Are you with me? Um, this week, I, again, Scott and I had the opportunity to be at this classes meeting, and one of the pastors that was being examined um, was a pastor named Pastor Day, D-A-E. And he's going to be meeting at a church that meets in Chino at Cross Point. And uh, an amazing man. And he, uh, just like a little aside story, uh, he was sharing that. They said, what's one of your weaknesses? He said, I'm working on boundaries. And they, they said, well, how are you working on boundaries? He said, well, we had like this youth ministry. And we were really excited because we got this new house. And um, I gave a key to one of the, the kids. And they made copies and made 15 copies. And so all the kids would be in our house all the time. And I'm learning how to have like better boundaries. And we were dying. Everybody was like, yeah, you, you probably need to do that. But... He said as one of his, um, when, when they asked him, tell us a little bit about your walk with Christ. He said that he had the opportunity to travel to North Korea um, a bunch of years ago with a group of students. And while he was there, uh, I, I didn't quite understand who he was um, being brought in front of. Did you? There was a dead, I think, North Korean leader um, that everyone is supposed to bow to. Somebody can maybe tell me afterwards because I wasn't super clear. Who is it? Okay, anyways. Um, so he knew that they were going to have to go bow before this dead North Korean leader the next day. And he and the group were going to have to do that. And he said, he told their tour guide, they said, we're not doing it. And they said, no, 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 you have to do that. This is what everybody does when they come here. He said, we're not doing it. And so um, he's living like in view of this leader. And he said when he got there, he like laughed Right? He laughed at just the, the ridiculousness of what they were asking him to do, to bow in front of this dead leader. Um, if you think about you and me and some of the things that we bow before, it's laughable, isn't it? Uh, we, we spend a lot of time thinking about what other people think about us. We spend a lot of energy uh, worried about what people are going to talk about when, when we're not present. We worry, we worry about what we have or don't have. We live in view of those, of those things. And I think they're, they're sometimes kind of laughable. I love what Pastor Day said. He said, I got there and I laughed and our kids didn't bow. And then the tour guides were kind of upset with us the rest of the time. But he's like, no, no, no. I'm living in view of the day when I meet Christ. I'm living in view of the day when I meet God face to face. Somebody said to me this week, a, a pastor from a, a different church in town, that he had done a funeral and he was reflecting on the idea that we live our entire lives and we're, we're trying to like build things and, and have things and accumulate things and surround ourselves. And he said what he's noticing as he works more and more with people who are aging is that like things and relationships and there's just less and less and less and less until in the final analysis, it's just us and God. And when you go into the box in the final, final analysis, it's you and your walk with God. And that's all there is. And it's funny because my dad said to me the same thing this week. On Monday, he said, Nick, one day your family, anything you've, you've done in this life is gone. And it's just you and the Lord. 
Friends, Paul invites us to live in view of that moment when it's just us and the Lord. To live our life in a way that it's just us and the Lord. To see God, to have a vision of his overflowing love and goodness for us. That is the single most fundamental, important reality of our life. If you hear nothing else this morning, don't even worry about the serve piece yet. Before we can serve, we first have to be able to surrender our life. And before we can surrender our life, I gotta know, God, are you good? Can I trust you? Secondly, he says, in view of God's mercy, we're still in verse one, by the way. We're gonna, we're gonna go a little faster in a bit. But in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. How many of you have heard this line before? Uh, Romans 12, 1. Probably most of us have. I like what it says in the message, um, what Eugene Peterson translated this as. He said, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, and your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Take every moment and place it before God as an offering. Take your, I'll read it again, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. It's almost like our life is just like one big glorified hamburger, isn't it? Or maybe a glorified steak, right? Meant to to be in another place in Corinthians, Paul says, you are the aroma of Christ. And, you know, God provides the fire, doesn't he? God provides the, the thing that our life is, is supposed to burn on. He provides uh, the way, the means, the, the, the part that is supposed to, that, that we're to live for, God will provide as we offer and surrender ourselves to him. I'm learning this right now. Pastor Scott preached a powerful message last week. If you didn't get a chance to, to listen to it, you should go on the Rivers website and um, look up Uh, The sermon last week, which was about disciples go. There it is in the back. Disciples go. We courageously go where God calls us to go. Part of that going is having a vision of God and seeing him and putting ourselves, surrendering ourselves on the altar before him and saying, Lord, I don't know where it is that you're, you're calling, but I'm willing. Here's my life. Take it, Lord, and let it be. Uh, So as we take our everyday ordinary life, as we surrender ourselves before God, God does something um, really, really beautiful. Keep going with me in verse two. Uh, Paul says, don't conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As we present ourselves to God, as we surrender, we see and have a vision of God as the overflowing source of love and goodness, the overflowing source of abundance. As we have a picture of that and we surrender ourselves before him, he renews our mind. Uh, another way to say this is he um, provides us with, with faith. He gives us trust. He provides companions. He, he surprises us with encouragement. He renews the mind. And And then uh, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. But first, 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 before we can be a part of seeing what God is doing in the world, he says, first, you gotta see me. You gotta have a vision of me. And then you give yourself to me. And then I'm gonna show you. It doesn't work the other way in faith, or it doesn't work the other way around in faith, my friends. 
In, in the world of faith, it doesn't, it doesn't first God show us and then we, it, it, it works like we offer ourselves, we have a vision of him and we offer ourselves to him and he says, then I'm gonna show you. Then I'm gonna place you. Then I'm gonna equip you. He calls, he woos, we present ourselves before him and then he provides for us. For Verse three, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Another word for sober judgment is just the word uh, humility, uh, wisdom. Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you, serving others well. When we present our surrendered self before God, he will open a door for us as we have this sense of, of wisdom and humility that God has given to us. For just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. I can't think of anything much more powerful to sort of propel us to a life of serving our neighbor than when we realize that we belong to each other, amen? When we realize that you and I are like made of the same stuff, when we realize that we didn't do anything so special to have like a vision of who God is, that, that we didn't do anything um, right, that, that it wasn't our power that saved us, but that it's God's power in us that turns us to see him, to catch a glimpse of who he is. And as we surrender, um, the Bible says he renews our mind. He gives us a new sense of faith. And that faith connects us to faith people. It connects us to this bigger thing called the body of Christ. Now, I know we want to focus on this congregation when we talk about the body of Christ. And this is our values as a community. This is something that we value, this sense of service. But the reality is the body of Christ is, is here and it's all scattered throughout the world, isn't it? You can probably recognize people in your places of work in your neighborhoods. Um, this week I had a really beautiful interaction with one of my neighbors. She's 82. And I was walking by her house and I would have just cruised right on by, but her dog barked at me. And I was like, hey, Sammy. And then I kept walking and he barked some more. And then I looked and she's like, oh, hey, Nick. And I went and sat on her um, porch for probably 45 minutes. And this woman has just continually blessed me in my life. And years and years ago, she sat uh, on that porch and said, God, I'm retired. I don't really, I can't get out anymore. She wasn't able to drive as much. And um, she said, I, I feel like I have so much to offer to people, but, but I don't really know where. And so um, if, if this can be a place, a healing place, my, pat, my porch, my patio, her name's Pat, she should call it the patio, um, if this can be a healing place, then will you use me as a part of your work in the world to bring healing? She wants it to be a healing place. And so we talked about this this week, about how God has just used her to knit together our little neighborhood, to connect people. Um, her and a couple of the neighbors this coming weekend are throwing like a, a garage sale together, but it's not even about that. It's just about the presence that she offers. I said, Pat, you know what the gift that you have that you offer to people is? You have the gift of availability. We're in a culture where we're not available for one another. I can't find anybody to waste 45 minutes on a porch with me. 
And I frankly don't want to waste 45 minutes on a porch with anybody else. But you're giving me this gift. And nobody gives gifts like that. Thank you for, for being faithful to the work that God is calling you to do. For her, um, God's overflowing abundance and love and goodness is just so evident in how she sits and waits and prays. The goodness and love and mercy of God is put on display through this part of the body of Christ. And, and I just, um, I've been so blessed by this. As each one of us has one body with many, many members, and these members don't all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Um, so we serve with a sense of wisdom. And then secondly, uh, we serve with a sense of self-awareness. Verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If someone's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, then serve. Teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, then let them give generously. If it's leadership, let them govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. And so the idea again is, Whatever you got, put it on the altar and let God use it for his glory and his purposes in the world. If it's time, then give that. If it's you've been blessed with money, then give that. If it's you've been blessed with a bunch of, of gifts, you just have like all these talents. You can play the, the banjo in one hand and like the tambourine in the other. And while you're doing that, run a PowerPoint with your mind. <laughs> then use that for God's glory. This week is um, Pastor Appreciation, I'm sorry, this month, Pastor Appreciation Month. So I want to just take a moment. Scott's been here seven years. That's the longest pastor that I, around that I've been here um, for 13 years. I want to just take a moment. He's sitting right there and he does not know we're going about to do this. But I want to just give him a little hand. Can we do that? Um, you see a, a small portion of Scott's work when he's up here on Sunday and the sweat is dripping from his chin. But um, throughout the week, uh, Scott's gift is, is leadership. Um, Scott is the kind of person who is not afraid to jump in when people are at their hardest moment of life. Amen? That's not a gift that I have. When you're at your hardest moment, I might be there, but it's pretty reluctant. It's not a natural thing for me. It's much easier for me to like do something to encourage people at different points. Scott jumps in. He's not afraid of, of really, really hard confrontation and, and discussion. He's not afraid to stand for justice. And, um, you know, all of us, each of us in this room has been gifted with something. You've been gifted by the Spirit of God for the edification of his body. You may say, I don't think I have a gift. I don't think God has given me anything. I, I really don't know what it is. I promise you. I prom- um, Sandy Cooper asked me asked this week for a, um, a gifts inventory, a spiritual gift inventory. And there's a couple links on your notes um, at the bottom there. 
But in the next few moments, what I, I would love for you to do as I'm talking is just think about these two lines. I don't care if your mind wanders, that's fine. But as we're kind of closing out, I want you to think about these two lines. Where, where is God calling you as you surrender your life to him, as you catch a vision for what he is? There's nothing better than that sense of knowing that you're working with God to the edification of others. There's just no better thing. For so much of my life, I was just chasing, like we're in a culture that we chase um, adventure, we chase like the best Instagram pic with the the greatest food, and that'll last until like it goes down, right? For like a, a second or two, depending on who's eating. That'll last for a moment. But that sense of knowing that you're, you're collaborating with the God of the universe, the good God who's overflowing with goodness and mercy and grace through his son Jesus Christ by the power of his spirit into other people's lives, the sense that you're connecting and collaborating with God to bless and encourage others, to give to his purposes, to help people, to show mercy, to pray. Some of us in this community are phenomenal prayers. This community has taught me so much about this about what it means to offer our life to God. But I know some of you are sitting there going, I haven't experienced that yet. And so I just want you to fill in this line. Um, the next step for you, what, what might Christ be calling you, inviting you to serve others in? Just think of like two lines. I serve Christ when I blank and then an adverb. So I serve Christ when I pray diligently. I serve Christ best when I um, present myself, I guess that's three words, present myself um, faithfully. For me, I would put, I serve Christ best when I encourage others joyfully. When I can joyfully encourage other people. That's where, I, that's where I'm at my best. That's when I offer myself to God and say, God, here I am, use me for your glory. Um, the word that I feel like he gave me years ago was, Nick, I want you to be just a big, goofy cheerleader. I was like, God, I'll be a big goofy cheerleader for you. When we encourage, when I encourage others joyfully, that's when I'm at my best. When are you at your best? The world is starting to catch on to this idea that Paul, Paul talked about 2,000 years ago. There's a very like academic, really uh, a smart guy named Marcus Buckingham who came out with a book called um, Put Your Strengths to Work. And how many of us are a part of a, a business where we use Strengths Finder? He said this, that um, everyone can probably do at least one thing better than 10,000 other people. And you go, no, no, that's not true of me. I, I don't have that. I bet you if we sat down for an hour, we would find something that you do better than 10,000 other people. Maybe it's right. Maybe you just write and you say, well, I, I don't write as well as like Leo Tolstoy. And that might be true, but I bet you write better than 10,000 other people in this valley. And that's something. Right? Maybe you pray. Maybe you give. Maybe you make cookies. And your cookies, when you eat them, they're better than like 10,000 other people's cookies. Because you have this special ingredient, the extra stick of butter. It's all about the butter game. Repping a strong butter game. Right? Um, this week, someone came into our neighborhood to rescue one of our neighbors from a swarm of bees. And they were the person to call to extract bees from the Weir's house. Right? You call Thomas Odenbaugh, by the way, if you're wondering, who do I call about that? He has the bees. He knows how to get the bees out. Right? We all have, like, God's given you a gift. Maybe you teach. 
And even in your teaching, you're like, well, it's not the teaching so much as it is like the two or three kids that are really, really just hard. And I can connect to them better than anybody, better than 10,000 other people. What is something somewhere? Maybe you're really good at gathering different groups and helping them focus. Maybe you're really good at like putting together splicing wires. That's a thing. Maybe you're really good at putting bolts and nuts and like things together in your woodshed and stuff. That's not me. And I bet that's not 10,000 other people really close to you. God has given each of us gifts and places that he's inviting us to walk with him in. But it's really not about getting the thing done. See, the problem is in our culture, we focus on that thing. But the thing isn't the thing. Are you with me? The thing isn't the thing. It's when we see God and we surrender ourselves to him. That's where service flows out of. That's what gives it the heat, right? Service is, is the heat, but it only comes when we take our life. We see God, we see who he is, and we surrender ourselves. And out of that surrender flows this life, this offering, this thing, the service. And the love of God is put on display to the world. So that people look and they don't go, that's a great person. They go, whatever they got, that's what I want. Because that light that's shining in them and refracting in like 10,000 beautiful colors, whatever that light is, that's what I want. There's this cat who walks around Lagonia. His name is Malcolm. I don't know what this kid has, but I want it. He's 21 and he's a magnet. And kids run up to him from like half a mile away at the school. They see him come and they're like, just to like touch him, just to like give him a hug. He's like, hey, 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 hey. He's just so cool. He's so cool. He's got this gift. I'm just thinking like, my God, if you could just um, grab this person's heart. Maybe you have already. Just, and just let him put you on display for the world. What an incredible thing that would be. So whether you're sitting on your porch, making yourself available to your neighbors, whether you're sitting in your room and just praying for your grandkids, maybe you write letters. I know people, um, someone wrote me a letter two weeks ago. They probably don't even realize it, but it hit me at just the right moment when I just needed something. And their letter carried like this incredible power. It didn't make me say, oh, that person is so great. It made me say, God, you are love. You are real. And because of that, again, I want to surrender my life to you. Friends, here at the river, we are on a quest. We are on a mission. We want this to be the reality of every person in this room that we serve intentionally with the gifts God has given us as we catch a glimpse of who he is and surrender our lives before him. We can't wait to see what he's gonna do. I serve Christ best when I what to what. And then maybe this morning you're like, you know what, um, Nick, I don't really know. I don't really know. I'm not, I'm not sure where I serve Christ best. I've really, I don't know that I've ever really gotten in the game. Like I'm kind of hanging out on the sideline. Like I think a lot about me. think a lot about my problems. I'm living in view of like all this baggage in my life. That's the place that I'm at right now. And I, I want to know more about my gifts. I want to know more about where God might be inviting me to participate with him. If that's where you're at this morning, um, there's two little resources I put at the bottom and I just want you to write in that blank 
What is God inviting you to in your next step? You're saying, I'm not sure where I serve best. I'm not sure where, um, so what, what I do better than 10,000 other people. I'm not sure exactly where that is. I want you to write your next step. Maybe it's come talk to a pastor or talk to a friend. Maybe it's check out those two resources I put on the bottom of your um, homework sheet thing. Uh, I want you to think about what your next step is. Maybe for some of us in this room, we have never seen a vision of a good God, and we need help. We need to have um, our eyesight, our spiritual eyesight, like checked. Maybe for some of us, we've seen him, but we turned away and we ran, and we need to surrender. We need to say once again, no, 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 God, my life has been about me for a little bit now, but I want to make it about you. For some of us this morning, maybe the next step is surrender. Wherever you at, we want to invite you to take the next step. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you this morning for all the many ways you've gifted your people. We thank you for all the ways that your spirit has has equipped and empowered for the ways that you've convicted, for the ways that you are changing and encouraging and blessing and teaching and helping and giving. Lord, we thank you for just your presence in our lives. We pray that as a community, we continue to learn how to serve others intentionally with the gifts that you've given us. As we learn those, grow us in wisdom. Grow us in knowledge of your son. Give us a clear picture of who you are that we might surrender our lives to you and that you might use us for your glory and your honor and your name in this valley. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.